in the, uh, in the late 1950s, gathering as the church in the Soviet Union was illegal. Some of you may know the harsh totalitarian, totalitarian regime of Khrushchev at the at the time, was openly persecuting Christians. They had uh, closed churches. They made it illegal for parents to teach a child the, the faith or, or teach from the Bible at home. In fact, a lot of homes got rid of Bibles because you didn't know when you might be singled out and arrested for having a Bible at home. In the, uh, in the midst of that persecution, a secret network of house churches developed. And... Uh, and the story is told later by a missionary that that network of house churches, in order to, to really think about how they were passing the faith on to young people, decided to have a conference for their students. Now, you can imagine the students couldn't just, like, you know, carry their Bible and show up at this conference. So they came, essentially, with, with just what they knew from their upbringing, what they knew from their parents, and this gathering of students met for a week. And as part of that conference... The uh, students would gather in small groups every morning, and from memory, from what they knew in their memory, they were piecing together the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. According to the missionaries that were present at that gathering, between the entire, entire gathering of students, at the end of that week, they had recreated all four Gospels with only 12 gaps. All four Gospels from, from memory. All four Gospels that really just lived in them. This month, our sermon series is called In Your Back Pocket. Has anybody ever heard that phrase? Like, keep that in your back pocket? Um, or maybe you've said, you know what, I'm just going to, often we say it about wisdom or, or, or some tool that we have. Well, I'm just going to keep that in my, in my back pocket so I have it. Right? The phrase implies that you're going you're to hold on to some piece of wisdom or, or some knowledge so that you'll just have it when you are ready. It'll just be there so that when you, when you need it, you've, you've got it. Well, that's that's our aim this month, to think about, like, what, what does it mean to have, to have God's Scripture in our back pocket? What does it mean to have this wisdom and, and knowledge so that when we need it, we've, we've got it? Hey, we're going we're gonna to talk about that practice of, of collecting God's wisdom and knowledge in our hearts, in our lives, so that when the tough times come, we're ready to lean on it. Now, some of you know, each week here at Clay Church, we, we offer a faith fit challenge. And it's a, it's a practice, right? You can always find it in the Life Guide or if you go to a Circle Curriculum and the Circle Sermon Guides that are online on the website. It's, it's always there. And uh, these challenges, they're, they're practices that go with the message that Sunday. And, and they're they're a step that we can take, not just, to, not just to hear God's Word on a Sunday morning, but to, to really put it into practice in our life, to, to live it. Well, this month, the practice each week is going to be to memorize a single verse of Scripture, or a couple of verses of Scripture. Essentially, we're going we're gonna to put Scripture verses in our back pocket, 
And now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You are thinking, I can't memorize Scripture. Like, I've tried before. I, I'm just, I'm not good at memorizing things. Or some of you are saying right now, I can't even remember phone numbers anymore. And now you want me to, like, remember an entire, an entire Scripture? And the, the answer is, the answer to this question, can you do it, is yes. And the answer to the question, do I think you can do it, is, is yes. We can do this. And just to emphasize this, I want to introduce you to, to this little guy, Tanner Hemnes. This is a, a picture of Tanner. He was uh, four years old. This was taken in 2016. In 2016, Tanner's church gave a challenge to everybody. Tanner was four years old. It was to memorize a verse of the Bible for every letter of the alphabet, 26 verses. Over the course of two weeks, Tanner began reading and learning those verses with the help of his parents. And at the end of those two weeks, he had memorized all 26 verses and became a viral sensation. Tanner, at four years old, if he can memorize 26 verses in two weeks, you can do one this week. <laughs> so we're going to get to that verse in a little bit. We're going to uh, uh, put a little context before we get there. So uh, let's move toward that. Would, uh, would you pray with me? God, May these words and all of our thoughts, those of us gathered here, those gathered online, may they help us to grow closer to you, to grow in our faith. And Lord, may our hearts be filled to overflowing with your love. And God, we just pray that with this word we might emerge from this space and this place and this time Carrying forth your word as a light to our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a, a woman was patiently standing at the airport counter, waiting her turn as the customer in front of her was just in an uproar. Maybe, maybe you've had a similar experience. But first, the man did not understand why the attendant wanted him to have his driver's license ready. Then, he was mad because he had to weigh his suitcase, and he had to lift it and put it on the scale himself. Then, he was mad because his suitcase weighed too much, and the attendant said he was either going to have to take something out of it or pay a fine or a fee to send it. Then, he refused to pay the extra fee and asked to speak to a supervisor. Then, he needed his bag back because he realized he still needed something out of it, and when the attendant invited him to maybe just take a couple things out and then he wouldn't have to pay the fee. He got angry all over again. Finally, finally he finished. He stormed off, still cursing up a storm as he walked away. The woman, having watched all of this, walked up to the desk, as, as maybe you have done, and just sort of apologized on behalf of humanity, and then said to the attendant, I noticed you were so calm and collected through that entire exchange. Like, how, how do you do that? Well, the attendant answered, when he demanded that his bag travel for free, I just sent his bag for free. You gave in? The woman queried. Well, not exactly, the attendant answered. He's going to New York by plane, but his 
bag is going to New York by bus. What should we do when we are angry or hurt? We're going to get to our verse for the week in just a little bit, but as we move toward it, we're going to talk about anger a little bit. Not necessarily a fun subject. How many of you get angry sometimes? Raise your hand if you get angry sometimes, right? And, and how many of you are angry right now? Oh, just kidding. You don't, don't, actually, don't actually have to answer that. So I thought we'd start with a, a little assessment of our anger. Um, raise your hand if you sometimes deal with anger in any of the following ways. So who here has yelled out loud when you were angry? It's all right. We're, we're all friends here. You can, you can be honest. How many has ever yelled at someone else in anger? All parents, you've got to have your hand up right now. You just, you've done it. You, you didn't mean to, right? All right. Who, when angry, has offered a not-so-friendly gesture? It's okay. Again, we're friends here. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. It's okay to, it's okay to raise your hand. All right, how about this one? How many of you have uh, ever punched a hole in a wall in your anger? Oh, not me, of course. What about this? Uh, right? Some of us are much more subtle in our anger. Uh, how many of you like to express your anger in really passive-aggressive fashion? Fine, don't stop, whatever. Yeah? How about this one? This is a bit more specific. How many of you have slammed down the phone on a telemarketer? Anyone? Slammed down the phone on a telemarketer? Or how about this? Anybody just bottle up your anger? Any, any bottlers? Anybody who just like takes it all in until at some point you, you know you, you're going to explode? And uh, one final question for our assessment. Uh, who in your anger has destroyed property with a bat or some other blunt object? Anyone? I just want to get all the way into the details. How many of you, raise your hand if you have thought about doing this. Raise your hand if you have thought in the last week about doing this to your computer when it crashed. Okay, so this was helpful. My assessment is complete. You have an anger problem. We have an anger problem. And I'm I'm joking and not joking. I mean, the, the truth is, I think our world has an anger problem. I think that's actually a true statement. But the other thing about an anger problem is that, that we do, we all get angry. Right? We all get angry sometimes. Anger is an emotion. It's, it's part of who we are. We're wired to feel anger. That, that heat rising, that, that heart beating, that sense of urgency, we all get it from time to time. Anger is is wired into our, into our DNA, and it has a purpose, right? Anger tells us when something is not right. We get angry or feel anger when our family is in danger and, and we sense that we're going to need to protect them or do something to protect them. We get angry. We feel anger when somebody is hurt unjustly by the world. It makes us angry. We feel angry when, when somebody takes something away from us. It can be a physical thing taken away from us, or it can be a future that we hoped for taken away from us. We, we sometimes feel angry. I think, about, think about this, a child, um, for those who've had children, a child doesn't just learn to cry out in anger when the rattle or the toy is taken away. 
Right? It's, it's just a natural response. Anger is, is natural. They're wired to be angry. We are wired to be angry. But you shouldn't be angry. Has anybody ever said that to you? Has anybody ever heard somebody say, well, you shouldn't be angry about that? You're getting a divorce and, and somebody says, you're going to need not to be angry. Or someone has son, done something to, to really hurt you and, and someone says, well, don't try not to be angry. Now, the people who said that, they probably loved you. And the people who said that, they likely wanted to help, but they were wrong. Right? And actually, I think, I think some of our struggle with, with anger in our, in our culture is that, that we have this sense that we can't be angry. Right? I think that's part of the problem. We get angry because we're wired that way. And then somebody tells you, well, you, you, you're not supposed to be angry. And then we feel guilty about it or, or we bottle it up. And then instead of helpful and healthy ways of dealing with it, 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 it can explode. Or, or we get this sense, and you've probably seen this in culture today, right? If we look out there, some people get the right to be angry and some people don't. This is very much true when you look at, at gender dynamics, men and, men and women, who has the right to be angry and, and who doesn't. The thing was, everybody gets angry. It's part of who we are. If you're wondering about this, God gets angry. Do you notice that in the Bible? God sometimes gets, gets angry. Next time somebody tells you you shouldn't be angry, you can go, well, God gets angry. Isn't it okay? Lots of examples of this. Psalm 30, one place we can look. Psalm 30, verses 4 and 5, it says, Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. God's anger is pretty, I mean, God's, the Bible is pretty clear about God's anger, but it's, it's fleeting. But he certainly gets angry sometimes. And do you know what God gets angry about? God gets angry when, when God's people mistreat each other. God gets angry when God's people turn away. Turn away from, from God's love and make a mess of God's world. Jesus got angry sometimes too. Right? He got angry at his disciples once or twice when when they just couldn't understand what he was trying to teach them. And, and Jesus went in and turned over the tables in the, in the temple and drove people out of the temple. That kind of seems like anger to me. Do you know why Jesus was angry? He was angry because he wanted what was best for his followers, and it hurt it hurt when, when he was having a struggle, getting them to see and understand and know. Jesus was angry when he saw God's people taking advantage of others, living for themselves in a way that didn't, didn't draw attention to who God really is. 
we get angry sometimes. That's why the, that's why the Bible talks about anger. We wouldn't have to talk about it if, if God knew that we, we didn't get angry. Right? So the question becomes not whether we get angry or if it's okay to be angry. The question becomes what do we do with our anger? Russell Colts is a clinical psychologist and a professor at Eastern Washington University. And uh, he says this, I love this quote from, uh, from Russell Colts. He says, anger is a wonderful sign and a terrible strategy. Anger is a wonderful sign and a terrible strategy. Anger tells us that something is not right. Right? But what we do with that anger makes a difference. How we deal with that anger makes a difference. So what, is the, what does the Bible say about how we deal with anger? Well, we might start with how not to deal with our anger. And, uh, and you're going to see in a moment the Bible is, is pretty clear beginning in Proverbs with an answer to this question. We're going to do a little rapid-fire Proverbs. Um, are you ready to go? You're, you're welcome to follow along in your Bibles. We're going to go fast. Turn to Proverbs chapter 12. Here are all the things that Proverbs, well, not even all of them, but here are a number of things that Proverbs says about anger. Number one, fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Proverbs 12, 16. Proverbs 14, 17. A quick-tempered person does foolish things, and the one who devises evil schemes is hated. Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15.18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient qualms a quarrel. Proverbs 22.4, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. I just want to pause here. This one's interesting. A quick aside, the others are all about controlling your own anger or controlling our own anger. This one actually says we should even be careful about hot-tempered people in our, in our world, in our midst. Anyway, a few more. Proverbs 29.8, mockers stir up a city, but the wise turn away anger. Proverbs 29.11, fools give vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. And then Proverbs 30, 33. This one actually might be my favorite. For as churning, butter, or as churning cream produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. Okay, so this is not your verse to memorize for this week, but if you want to, I think it's just a fun one. And I, I'm not sure about that twisting the nose for blood thing. That kind of sounds like anger to me. But... Uh, but right, all these verses, I, I'm, lay it out there pretty clearly in Proverbs. And, and probably we've all experienced this at one time or another, blowing up, taking our anger out on someone, lashing out, adding to the strife and the bitterness in the world. Very, very seldom does it ever have a positive outcome. Take the flight attendant story, for example. Take out your anger on the person at the counter and who knows where your luggage is going to end up. 
So the question becomes, what do we do with our anger? Is there a better way to express our anger? What does the Bible say about this? In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes this. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Right? We already established God knows that we're going to get angry. And Proverbs tells us how not to deal with that anger. Don't, don't lash out. But then Jesus, Jesus comes and he teaches another way a way of compassion, a way of goodness, a way of forgiveness, a way of turning the other cheek. And Paul, Paul picks up this teaching as the, as the church is dealing, is dealing with relationships, which can be hard, with anger that comes up when we're navigating the trials and, and struggles of life. Paul picks up the teachings of Jesus and he says, you'll be angry, but don't let that anger turn you away from God. The first thing to think when we are angry is, is God, don't let, don't let this anger turn me away from you. Sometimes, sometimes you'll be angry because things aren't as God intended them to be. Right? And in those moments, you can, you can use that anger. You can challenge the, the you, can, you can use the passion that comes from that, to, to challenge the, the way things are. Sometimes, right, sometimes you'll be angry. Sometimes we get angry because things aren't the way that we want them to be. And in those moments, this advice invites us to, to examine ourselves, to examine our own motives, to ask, you know, is, is this worth hanging on to? Is this anger worth hanging on to? Is this about God or Jesus or is, is this about me? James picks up this theme. You can see, right, there's this conversation all the way through the Bible about what to do with our anger. James picks up this conversation. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. How many of you have heard somebody say when you're angry, just take a deep breath, right? It's, it's James' message to the church. When you're angry, take a deep breath and listen and take in the situation. Reflect. Don't, don't jump into action. Don't let that rage push through you. Take a moment and breathe and reflect on, <clears throat> on the way of Jesus in your life in this moment. When you're behind that slow driver, some examples of this. When you're behind that slow driver, right, <clears throat> and you feel the anger start to boil, why are you angry? Are you really angry at somebody driving the speed limit? Or at somebody who's being careful? Like, are you really angry at that? Or are you angry because you know it's going to set your day off on a, being late to the meeting and the next meeting? Or... Do you feel like your time is being disrespected? 
What are you really angry about? And, and what is the best way to solve that problem? Note to self, it's probably not the gesture. When you're angry at somebody because of poor customer service, what is the problem? Is it, is it the person in front of you? Or is it just that they have had a lack of training? Or have they been hired into a job they aren't really equipped to do well? Can they even solve whatever the issue is? Or is it something else going on in your exchange? Will expressing your anger help you get what you want? What is the best way to solve the problem? <clears throat> what is the way of Jesus in this exchange? When you're angry at injustice or, or pain in your community, what is the, what is the root problem? <clears throat> Will yelling at someone or, or passive-aggressive behavior make a difference? Or is there a, another way to channel that frustration or, or rage you feel into, into something that will help, that will make a difference? Remember, anger is a wonderful sign and a terrible strategy. And so if we look if we look at the word of God to us the word of God in the Bible it invites us to to really pursue another strategy. Right? We can ask what is my anger about instead of who is causing it? You can ask the question, how can I direct my anger at a solution? Not how can I make someone pay? We can ask, how can I get rid of or express this anger, this real anger, in a way that honors God and follows the way of Jesus? Not in a way that drives me and others away from God or faith. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul again invites those in the early church to reflect in those moments of anger and, and bitterness. He says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And then he offers a path forward. Paul writes, bear with each other. Colossians 3.13, and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Advice for dealing with our anger, bear with each other. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. In response to the hurt and conflict of our lives, the way of Jesus is compassion and forgiveness and love. And note, Bearing with each other doesn't mean ignoring injustice. Jesus didn't ignore injustice. 
Bearing with each other means addressing injustice with the intention of restoring right relationship. And note that forgiving each other doesn't mean accepting hurtful behavior as okay. Forgiving means not letting the hurt and the anger consume you. Forgiving means not retaliating or or getting even, which only leads to more pain, but finding a way forward with, with justice and compassion combined. And I think we often mistake this. Forgiveness isn't isn't instantaneous in our lives. I think that's maybe why Jesus said to forgive your neighbor 70 times, seven times. Forgive your brother 70 times, seven times. It isn't easy or instantaneous, but it's grounded in the love of Jesus and in the way of compassion that Jesus showed us. Russell Colts, he ends his TED Talk on anger with this powerful invitation, and I, I want to offer a, a very similar invitation for us today. I want to invite you just to, just to bring to mind a, a time in your life, maybe it's been recently, the more recent the better, bring to mind a time in your life when you got really angry, when you struggled in a relationship or struggled in a moment. So I want you to bring to mind that time. Maybe you said some things in that exchange that you'd like to take back. Maybe you you did something you shouldn't have. Maybe, maybe you just remember the pain of that situation, of the anger that you felt. And as you imagine yourself in that situation with as much detail as you can, you can put around it, I want to invite you to look back at yourself with compassion and relate to you in that situation with the love and compassion of Jesus. If you could go back and whisper in the ear of yourself in that moment, whisper in your own ear in that moment, what would you say? What encouragement would you give? How would you offer this past, angry version of yourself, grace and forgiveness. The Bible teaches us that the response to our anger is compassion, forgiveness. And compassion invites us to to notice that in any given tense or hurtful situation, there there is more there than the anger of the moment. Right? Our anger tries to tries to tell us that we need to act immediately, that we need to need to fix this. But you can choose to ignore that impulse. You can pray, you can invite God into any moment of your life. You can respond with compassion, and compassion is to bear with one another, not to raise the stakes, not to heighten the conflict, but to forgive. Not without consequences and a call to a better future, 
but to let go of that bitterness and rage and that desire to get even. So how do we respond to the anger in our world today? There's plenty of it, right? How do we as God's people respond? Let me invite you to keep this in your back pocket. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let's say that together. Would you say these words with me? Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let me invite you to memorize this scripture this week to hold on to it for those moments that you are angry and hurt. You'll need to work on it right now, and we'll have a test before you exit today. No, just kidding. Actually, it'll be a test before you come in next week, so you've got a week to work on it. I'm mostly kidding this time. Bear with each other and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Amen.